My attention for the last three years had been repeatedly drawn to the subject of mesmerism, and about nine months ago it occurred to me, quite suddenly, that in the series of experiments made hitherto, there had been a very remarkable and most unaccountable omission. No person had as yet been mesmerized in articulo mortis. Greetings, Poe fans. Welcome back. My name is Carmen Bolden. And I'm Jeannie Smith. And we and are, we are the, po- the Potastic Stick Two. Two. Yay! Yay! So, Jeannie, you? Try, I, we kind of gave away a little bit during the, my quote of what mm-hmm. we are going to talk about this evening. But what are we talking about this evening? Well, we are going to be talking about how we mesmerize our listeners and our viewers, if you watch our YouTube channel, about the wonderful world of mesmerism, or otherwise known as animal magnetism. It has several names. It even one time had a name of animal gravity, which when I think of animal (laughs) gravity, I'm thinking of like elephants falling and I'm going, yeah, that could hurt. Uh, that, that doesn't that almost sounds like an oxymoron it does doesn't it i'm like it, it really does what so, goes up must come down so that's yeah. hey that's right and so mm-hmm. yes so you know we, how, we might be doing subliminal messages throughout with the mesmerism and you know look into my eyes exactly and, but we'll we'll try to avoid that as much as we can exactly so and especially because when we're talking about mesmerism we have to give kudos to the man behind the the mesmerism i guess we could say the man behind the eyes of it all um yes who was in the late 1770s when it came about because when you think about it you'd think oh mesmerism that must have been something because you know you think of the 60s of the yeah. psychedelic age yeah, it, you kind of LSD, yeah. PCP, you know. I mean, what'd you think? Because all the, especially the music. Yeah, I mean, definitely music. I I can go for, but some of them, woo, you'd yeah. have to be on PCP and LSD to. That's hear. true. All right, Jenny. All right, we're 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 coming back around. I'm bird walking you back, or raven walking you back. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I'm still talking about mesmerism. So. True, that's true. Uh, well, I actually looked up the definition from Merriam-Webster, and it's defined as hypnotic induction held to involve ma- animal magnetism. Yes, because, I mean, and, well, that's another thing, animal magnetism, which is does not have the same connotation today as it did back in those days. No, not at all. It, it's interesting how it has evolved the definition of it and how we think of that now. And I guess we should probably go back to the, the OG who started it all. And so, and his name is Franz Anton Mesmer. Uh, He was born in 1734, died in 1815 and he was from Germany. Yeah. He had a pretty good life, especially during that time he lived live longer than most in that area but yeah i guess i would think so yeah i mean because the span of life especially in that area in that time as crowded as europe was getting was only about maybe 50 years at the most yeah i mean that's a good average but you know him living to what was it about 70 so we said 70 maybe yeah yeah you said 1734 yeah to 18, yeah. 1815 yeah so that's what 64 plus 15 so that's 79 you didn't think you're gonna have to do you didn't think you were we were gonna have to do math on this episode did you no that's horrible stop that and of course like most in his you know his day and age he was so it's uh and he like others in that that area he was first going into theology the study of you know religion i guess we can call it because it Mm -hmm. doesn't really have to be a specific 
but theology you know study yeah. of uh, the uh, you know a greater greater power i guess you would say but yeah. switched to medicine mm -hmm. in 1759 so that would make him what about 25 when he switched yeah yeah that's and that's that sounds about typical of someone during that time frame of what they would do like career-wise or school or something like that yeah and plus you have to say that uh, during those days that was the two main things especially for men to be interested in was either theology or science yes absolutely and uh, well yeah because well science actually started gaining more power because of sir isaac newton coming mm -hmm. around and starting his you know his experiment about the sky falling or wait a minute was that uh chicken little okay no <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> sky is falling sky is falling sorry all right but you know the apple that cracked good old newton in the head as the old saying goes oh yeah um, well then of and course you had the laws of gravity and then you have the you know murphy's law of what can go wrong will go wrong coming out so Oh, yeah. Well, and kind of tying it into the theology piece, I, I didn't find as much on that as you did. But one of the things that I looked or found in just reading different sources is that mesmerism for mesmer, rely, it kind of relied on harmony in nature and dependency on unforeseen forces. So it wasn't really a religion added in. But it was really a combination of more science and mysticism than anything, which I thought that now that makes a whole lot more sense with what you're saying about his studies in theology. Yeah. And especially when you think about it, that he also, well, this, of course, in that day and time was a controversy, not only with the medical, but with you know, the fighting against the theology part with Newton and everything mm -hmm. and him bringing science and taking away from the church. Mm -hmm. However, you know, Newton's whole topic of physics were ruled and essential about uh, the force of the planets moving around the sun. Yeah. Wherein, you know, Mesmer's animal magnetism, uh, he also believed that the earth the planets the moon everything had something to do with a person's animal magnetism basically yeah. how you know people dealt with disease how they dealt with life things that could go wrong fame fortune you know things like that so he was kind of mixing the spiritual and the science in certain yeah. avenues Mm -hmm. bring this back around and what i thought was really really weird i guess yeah. i'm just gonna say it is that when he started treating this you mm -hmm. know we think about hypnotism when we think about mesmerism well and it it stems from mesmerism so exactly. you're right on target really yeah but the thing about it is is that mesmer he when he started it kind of you know didn't really can people with hypnosis but he used magnets right you know, iron and certain elements to try to balance the body and the mind together and that was how he would uh, he believed in his ability to control an invisible fluid yes that people had in you know in life it was our I guess we could call it our flow of life. Yeah, so, I think that would be a good way to say it. Yeah, and so that's how he would treat people. And he would treat them not one by one, but he he actually created, I don't know if I'm saying this right or not, but a baquette. Okay. It's a shallow wooden tub that was filled with magnetized water and iron bars and large enough to treat 30 patients at a time. Yeah, and they would take their hands while sitting in this bucket and allow the magnetic fluid to circulate around them. And all I can think about is sports today. Yeah, when, <laughs> when they play a game or anything afterwards, the the physical therapist or whatever they go soak. Yeah, 
they put them in these bathtubs that are made mm-hmm. of metal that are circulating this this water at a higher temperature and i'm thinking to myself wow so it's maybe, modern mesmerism yeah it's modern mesmerism going on right here uh, <laughs> However, like with anything, because nowadays we don't think anything of that. We know of things that different people, you know, we got functional medicine, we've got vitamins, we've got Tai Chi, we've got somatic yoga. We've got those kinds of things because most people believe that there is a way to balance the mind, the body, and you know, either the spirit or the soul to help yeah, well, that, heal itself. That holistic approach um, exactly. with with more home remedies and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. What I also thought was interesting was that he would make these magnetic passes also with magnets over the areas that people complained about. But then that that hypnotic trance like state that he would put people in was he would look deeply into someone's eyes. And so I thought that was really interesting. And I think that's kind of where that, you know, down the road, it evolved into hypnotism. But then he also, the first time he did this was he applied the magnets to a woman's body and he could feel the flow through her body and he would try to control control it basically at his own will and so i thought that was really weird it just the way it was described yeah that 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 in itself once again lends upon my mind automatically going to the carnival yes people in the times that would travel around and they would you know use uh mentalist ideas hypnotic ideas to you know pretty much milk people out of their money yeah that's the best way i could say it yes snake oil salesman yes yeah exactly so but at the same time it's like we've come around to this way of thinking of mesmerism and hypnotism and stuff like that have had their successes yeah but it's kind of, it's you know it's become a more varied technique than just sitting in a tub of water with magnets or having magnets placed on you however you know you could see these cells of people selling uh these knee pads and stuff like that with copper embedded into them mm-hmm. because copper is seen to be a good you know what do you call it conductor of health for a right. body Right. And so this to me has mesmer stamp all over it because instead of using magnets, you know, copper is just another element that, and we as people are made up of many, many of the elements on the periodic table. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say all of them, but a majority of them is what we are made out of. And so Mesmer, you know, he become rich, he become famous, especially in Venice until, you know, it got the better of him. And yeah, then it was he, Vienna. I think it was Vienna. Oh, Vienna. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Vienna, Venice. I know. I, I know. I was but... close. <laughs> until all of a sudden he had to basically pack up and leave because of skeptics. Uh, and then he ended up back in Paris. Yes. And good old King Louis the Sixteenth came after him because there is a lot of skepticism, really, from the head of the French Royal Academy of Scientists that came at him saying, "Dude, you are a fraud, basically." Black, yes, and yeah, that was in, that was around the mid seventeen eighties. So from the time he kind of coined i guess the phrase mesmerism or it mm-hmm. became a thing an official yep. thing you know in the 1770s official in 1774 going into the 1780s when louis the 16th said hold on it, that's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of time for this to last in europe no no and the good thing well or bad thing i guess as you can call it yeah is that <laughs> His popularity was growing because not only the 
the rich were flocking to him, which was making Mm -hmm. him, you know, but also poor people were coming to him to try to cure their ailments. Yes. And they were looking for anything. Uh, The biggest thing is that, unfortunately, by the order of Louis XVI, with his appointed committee, which included, by the way, good old Benjamin Franklin, who happened yes. to be an ambassador to France at the time. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, got to got those ties to America coming out there. Yep. But it kind of ruined him. So he had yeah. to get out of Paris because he had lost it once again. But the idea of mesmerism and animal magnetism, especially didn't die no um and the committee basically said after they did the report and came out in 1784 with the official statement that it basically was a product of the power of suggestion which totally makes sense even though mesmer claimed that you know these blockages which he said he control could control with the magnets and everything the flow was blocked. It was cause it would cause this emotional or physical disease. And if you're telling people this and those magnets are reacting in the water or however he's doing the process, it, you would think that a person, especially if they weren't as educated as others would think that maybe they are cured. Yeah. I mean, and we've all known and we've all, you know, found this interesting or read about it or heard about it or seen Mm -hmm. it about the whole thing of mind over matter yes you know and i'm i'm sorry to say but that to me is all that mesmerism is yeah is just someone convincing you and then you convincing yourself and your body because you know there has to be a balance it's all about balance and in way i think about it anyway and that mesmerism that's all he was doing. He was trying to balance the body, the mind, and the soul to, yeah. you know, make a person better. Now, unfortunately, you know, reality of diseases, you know, some diseases cannot be controlled or, you know, tamed or cured by just the mind alone. Right. Found from the Black Plague and <laughs> other things. Uh, but mesmerism started popping up everywhere because most people that were perusing around Europe, especially these up and coming doctors from America that found that they fell into the uh, mesmeristic idea of mesmerism and brought it back to good old US of A. And it found its way into newspapers and articles, whether it be in American articles or European well, that's how Poe found out or saw the mm-hmm. idea of the mystical world in these yeah. articles. Because him yeah. being a critic, he wanted to talk about it or he saw his, it was his duty to say something about it. Yeah, absolutely. There was one thing I wanted to read from an article I found called The Birth of Mesmerism. This mm-hmm. is from a contemporary English doctor during this time frame. And this is pretty short, but he says his patients were received with the air of mystery and studied effect. The apartment hung with mirrors was dimly lit. A profound silence was observed, broken only by strains of music, which occasionally floated through the rooms. The patients were seated around a sort of vat, which contained a heterogeneous mixture of chemical ingredients. With this and with each other, they were placed in relation by means of cords or jointed rods or by holding hands, and among them slowly and mysteriously moved Mesmer himself, affecting one by a touch, another by a look, a third by passes with his hand, a fourth by pointing with a rod. One person became hysterical, then another. One was seized with catalepsy, others with convulsions, some with palpitations of the heart, perspirations, and other bodily disturbances. I just thought that was very telling with what went on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good rendition of what mesmerism was at that time and how yeah. it was controlling of the population. Yeah. Of the psyches of the population, too. Mm-hmm. And as you was reading it, the things I was immediately touching upon 
automatically had me going to the theological ideas of an exorcism. Yes, I that I, that's a good way to explain it. That that's almost like expelling the blockage or whatever that he mm-hmm. thought someone had. Yeah, especially with the use of mirrors and you know, even though they were using rods and other elements cuz I was thinking about fire, you know, how the list yeah. of candles. Yeah. Uh, you know, the reading of the tome and those kind of things and I was just, you know, you can see that there is a correlation or um a cin- you know, cinematic, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of going back to what you said, kind of about like a carnival show and that cinematic effect of, you know, putting on a show. Exactly. So, I mean, hey, it it was very much being um, attributed to the ideas of the time and people seeking out ways of curing themselves because most people need to remember that during this time period uh, there was nothing like the antibiotics or or anything that we know of today to cure just the common diseases that everybody gets you know i mean getting the common cold would would be the equivalent of maybe heading down the road of uh getting worse Mm-hmm. and dying from it because there was no combatant of any kind yeah. i mean yeah. there was ideas and there were doctors and they were doing experiments and things were happening but it was not accessible to everyone yeah and um, because it's yeah. just like in days like today you know the the higher treatments you have to have a certain level to be able to reach those higher treatments and they're not available to everybody Yes, that's true. Yeah. Even with insurance and all the other things that go with that. Yeah. And then, you know, one thing about Poe, he actually saw mesmerism as an illuminating force that was capable of binding the mind and the body together. Right. And exactly. I think, I think that's why he latched onto it so well, is because he was very much a proponent of writing things that was beneficial for a person's mind and body. Yeah. And it, it kind of go ties in with, you know, we already talked about phrenology with our science episode earlier this season and yeah. just mental phenomena, the insanity that Poe wrote about the psychology and the, just the soul in general and I think, you know, and Poe always, Jeannie, you always say this, Poe wrote what he know, knew, or, you know, yeah. Poe write, po wrote, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make it too complicated. Poe wrote what? what he knew. I was trying to make it rhyme. Yeah. And, and so mesmerism, you know, once mesmer, you know, the mesmerism kind of came over the pond into the mm-hmm. United States in the 18th you know, uh, I'm sorry, the end of the 18th century and really into the early 19th century, um, it really saw a revival. And you'd think that with Benjamin Franklin being on that committee, he would have really pushed more. But, you know, I mean, he did have his hands in a lot of other things. So, um, yeah. And plus, Benjamin Franklin was his scientist himself. Right, exactly. So he, he was very much a proponent of the growth of science. Yeah. But at the same time, he did not want, as we have said earlier, quacks muddying the yeah. pond of true science in their opinion. You know, right. you've got right. coming up with physics of the gravity of the world and the astronomy of the planets and no longer a flat earth being round. And then you had uh, Franklin himself who was doing experiments about electricity. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, the man was the one that created the lightning rod Mm -hmm. to try to uh, stop fires for houses and he was also not only the person to create the first fire department, 
but he's the one that came up with the idea of a hospital, the university, uh, not university, the Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, was it Philadelphia or Pennsylvania? Well, Can't remember. Philadelphia was in Pennsylvania. Are you talking what? about, I said, Philadelphia is in Pennsylvania. No, I'm talking about the name of the hospital that Franklin created. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So I can't I remember Sorry. if it was. Yeah, I can't remember if it was named the the hospital of Pennsylvania or if it was the hospital of Philadelphia. I can't remember if he made it okay. state or city. Gotcha. But anyway, okay. So it was his idea because one thing he wanted to get help for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, even even the ones that were suffering mental illnesses. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons maybe Franklin was such against Mesmer is because he felt he was not only a quack, but he was he was not really helping. You know, he he was using it as a way of getting rich rather than curing. And I'm not I'm not making Franklin out to be some altruistic, you know, yeah, of any kind. But. Yeah, he, he had was, his vices. Yeah. 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 He had his own vices and stuff. But at the same time, he was very much a proponent of science. Yes. Is what I, I'm getting to. Yeah. Well, and, and as we know, Poe also dabbled in lots of science. And with mesmerism, he used that in, a, there's a tiny bit in Eureka. He also used it in some of his criticisms and some of the stories which we're about to talk about. But uh, what I think around 1829 is when mesmerism was brought to America. And I, I, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right by do do come do come a people of is it pot Puy Segur is okay. what I read. And then by 1836, Charles Posen was the most prominent mesmerizer practicing in the U.S. So, and if you think about 1836, you know, even more than 1829, because 1829, Poe would have been, let's see. 20. Yeah, he would have been, because 1830, he was at West Point, And so he mm-hmm. would have, you know, he probably did read about it, but 1836, Poe is more into his writing career at this point. And so it it really ties into the, the fad of the time brought to America. Yes. And I, I mean, we have talked many times about how Poe loved his forensic science. Yes. You know, that's the whole thing of Dupine. And then we talked about in phrenology which has since been debunked because, you know, mm-hmm. many people, especially in that day and age, they were, you know, deciding about personality and everything based on the bumps on your head. Right. Which, right. Like, well, you know, if you hit your head hard enough, you don't have to worry about it. But I'm just yeah. saying. Uh but yeah, Poe would be I mean, he'd be all over this. Yeah. And, and he he's he really came into it in around 1841 uh-huh. is kind of the, about the time that he started um, really reviewing um, works written about exactly. mesmerism where he was critiquing and things. And so yeah, that, and that all makes sense. 1844 was it mm-hmm. 1844, his first publication with, with uh, mesmeric in mind or mesmerism in mind. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you had to, his three main tales, I guess, or stories, short stories. Yeah. was mesmeric revelation, a tale of the ragged mountains and the facts in the case of M. Valdemar. Right. And tale of the ragged mountains was uh, published in April of 1844 in Godey's lady book. Mesmeric right. Revelation was around August 1844 in the Columbian Magazine. And the ca- the facts in the case of, you can either say M. Valdemar or Monsieur Valdemar, was December of 1845 in the American Whig Review. But then mm-hmm. there's a little sprinkling of mesmerism 
in the Spectacles, which I forgot to look up the month in 1844, it was published, but it really, he only kind of talks about animal magnetism in that, in a little short part, not really mesmerism, uh, but it's mentioned when, uh, basically about how the man instantly falls in love. And I don't want to give away too many spoilers about who he yeah. falls in love with. So we'll leave it at that. And then, of course, Jeannie's favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In published in 1845. And we'll go, we'll go through the other three stories more in just a moment. But mm -hmm. I'll do this for you, Jeannie. I'll talk about this one so you don't have to. Yeah, uh, some words with a mummy. Yeah. Uh, the mummy, basically, uh, the doctors, when he's, they're talking to the mummy, they're like, oh, these things have come through advancements in science. And the mummy's discounts mesmerism, kind of like, oh, psh, that's that's old news. And so. But just it's barely it's like just sprinkled in those two stories. Yeah. And then that's the truth of the matter is, uh, well, we had discussed about animal magnetism that we, you know, we it has changed to the connotation today where it talks more of a sexual prowess. Right. Uh, right. Back in those days, animal magnetism, Mesmer was just referring to the spirit, I guess you would say, of mm -hmm. the animal, the, you know, the, the earth. And, yeah. The soul, yeah. And which goes back to the very first discussion of a religion Mm -hmm. Which, if you want to trace it back, actually went back to um, spiritualism. Okay. Which was the first one because that was during the, you know, in Africa of the first like hunter gatherers, even earlier than them, that they believed that everything had a spirit. Okay. You know, whether it yeah. be uh, an animal, a vegetable, you know, rocks, everything had a spirit or a life force is what Mesmer kind of goes along with, with this animal magnetism. Yeah. He which that almost kind had of, a life force. It almost sounds a little bit with like Hinduism in a way yes. with reincarnation and things like that. And it kind of works because, you know, Hinduism is the oldest known religion. Right, right. And so spiritualism was first, you know, you have Hinduism, Judaism, you know, they were right there. You know, Hinduism is earlier, but mm -hmm. this was the time of when humanity was developing and it was developing its ideals. Yes. And so it based its ideals on different things. Everything yeah. had a, like a life force kind of thing and mm -hmm. it kind of spread. So Mesmer was keeping along those same lines with his animal magnetism about the life force. And that's why he was using these magnets and these other things to try to balance the life force. Right. Yeah. And so Poe being Poe, and if you read most of his works, which I haven't read every single thing yet. Yeah, me but neither, but we're working there. on it. We're working on it. Yeah. But Poe likes to put these types of ideas in his works about yes. not only just life force, but there being a balance in life. Yeah. Uh, and death. You know, he, he brings about that there is a circle. I don't want to bring in the whole Disney circle of life thing, but... The circle of life. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Go ahead. I, I, no, I was just, I got a flashback to the Lion King all of a sudden. I know. Um, I, I had to throw that in there. Had to throw it in. But, I mean, it is a perfect example of what we're talking about with animal magnetism, about the life force and about everything having a balance. Yeah. That it was the idea of Mesmer. Yeah. And this is the idea, and the life and death thing all fits with the case of in Voldemort, because that was the whole thing that where uh, the hypnosis of a dying person mm -hmm. comes in because they want to try to vision or find out what happens at the moment of death. Exactly, and this is a I think very under noticed story it, mm -hmm. it is it is awesome i remember when i read it i'm like why is this not more known 
you know, than other, some of, some of his other stories. Cause, and I don't want to give away the ending at all, but I, I really enjoyed it. And I guess it kind of even helped me like really dig into mesmerism even more when I read it. Yeah. And the thing about it is, is it plays very much into anyone that has had to deal with the death of anyone. Yes. Especially at the last moments of death. Mm-hmm. And because hanging on longer. And then there's, just, there's like a moment of, of reality of, you know, coming to be right before the end. And if you look at it, at anything that dies, you know, mm-hmm. you see what Mesmer was talking about with the life force. You can literally see from the force that it was to no more. Yeah. Where it leaves then, the body. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a mesmerism in its finest right there. Yeah, I agree. And one very curious note about the facts in the case of Monsieur Valdemar is mm-hmm. that people, many people, when it first was published, thought that Poe had found a medical case and turned it into this short story. And he was reporting on something that really happened and kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, with his balloon hoax and other things, you know, it, it really, the what? The tale of, you know, the case of Marie Roger. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah, this is a real case and he's reporting on it and it's like, it's a work of fiction. I just thought that was very interesting that, you know, I don't want to say the gullibility of people, but at the same time, Poe was such a good writer in so many different ways and styles that he could convince an audience that this was something real is incredible. Well, and at the same time, the fantastical, I'm just going to use that word because that's what it is. Yeah. The fantastical of things and especially certain days and age of trend you Mm -hmm. wouldn't get it now because we are so inundated with a social media influence yeah that anything from back then we could not be fooled i'm using air quotes yeah we could not be fooled (laughs) but if you think about it i mean the whole radio the world of the worlds right this is before that Yes. Yeah. And the whole difference is is that Poe only had a reading audience of the newspaper or magazines or mm-hmm. books. He did not have the way of, you know, putting it out to more and more people. But then when the radio came into play, you can just imagine if you could take one of Poe's stories back in those times mm-hmm. as they did with uh, Orwell. Yeah put one of his stories online it would fall into the exact same thing because if he can fool people that are just reading it yeah can you imagine what would have happened if someone was performing this oh my gosh i know as it was an actual i mean because he writes like it's a news report or some you know magazine report so Mm -hmm. i can see where people would fall into the idea that he was talking about reality yeah. Well, the balloon hoax wasn't far off in those days because the weather balloons and the hot air balloons and things like that were coming in mm-hmm. to become prominent. I mean, most yeah. people think it's just fantastical when you tell them that, oh, they used hot air balloons in the Civil War. Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. They would actually drop bombs using the hot air balloon. So it was like the first air, fi- you know, air air raids or i guess yeah i guess we would call it air raids or i mean they weren't weren't accurate by any means because trying to control a hot air balloon was like a hit and a miss just like the muskets of the american revolution trying to hit thing you know it was like a one out of ten shot you might hit something yeah (laughs) right on top of it but at the same time it's it's what makes Poe and all this so great. Yes. Because there was the mixture of 
the fantastical with the mixture of reality to where most of the time what we at one point thought was you know fake in today's that you know in today's age are mm-hmm. now true to life yeah you know i mean the idea of a cell phone where you could talk to someone halfway around the world that was a fantastical idea because most people thought oh we're not going to talk to anyone without a radio well yeah radios didn't come into existence before telegraphs you know exactly i think poe was just proving a point that he was very much ahead of his time and he could see things i'm not gonna i don't want to bring about mystical here but he could see things that other people couldn't yeah he he had that futurism i guess is the word i want to use futurism yeah or futuristic yeah absolutely and and we always do joke that poe was a time traveler and it, it 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 just the his brain and the observances that he could see and predict and just you know ratiocination i mean if you really want to just get that boil boil it down to deduction induction all of the the critical thinking he was brilliant at it and it it is it, it it's fantastical in in surreal that's why this is our surrealism episode yep, exactly it's because, yeah and know. that and in in a mesmeric state, you know, thinking about these stories, people, you know, are they, you know, are they dead in this mesmeric state and having a conversation and, but they're really dead or are they really dead? It is mm-hmm. very surreal when you, you know, think about it. Well, and if you add into it, if you think about people who are in comas, mm-hmm. you know, are they truly cognizant of hearing yes because they could be in the opposite effect of a mesmeric state yeah absolutely i i I think so and we we do want to also mention about the the other two main stories where mesmerism is focus is a focus in both stories Mm -hmm. and which one do you want to talk about first Jeannie? ragged mountains or mesmeric revelation I'll just go from mesmeric revelation. Okay. We'll go backwards in, in the order of when they were published. Yes. Yeah. Because, and, well, and we could go in the order of people that may know them. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah. Cause yeah, I think Baltimore, Baltimore's probably more known, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And mesmeric revelation, it really is, you know, it similar. It has similar notes of Voldemort in mm-hmm. that a man really he's he wants to kind of connect uh whether god exists or not and he's dying where is his soul going after his death and things like that and so he's put in a mesmeric state and conversations are had between he and his doctor and things like that i think i've got that is that good summary yeah i mean i think it's the perfect summary because it hits upon what anyone of any day and age goes through when it uh facing their own mortality Mm -hmm. i think that's what mesmeric revelation is truly about yeah it's been a while yeah, it's been a while since I've read it, so I was kind of digging from my brain on that one. Yeah, so that was, that was good. Yeah. yeah, and and they're they're all three really good stories. I've read a tale of the Ragged Mountains a while ago, and I know there it's like a man's journey. And I know Jeannie, just from talking to you before our episode, you explained this one because I think you did a really good job of it. Well, Tell the Ragged Mountains, first of all, I think was Poe's only one that took place in the Virginia area. Mm-hmm. That he, you know, he made it more close to a hometown as anything. Yeah, because uh, I think it was Charlottesville, Virginia, where the story took yes. place with a, an unknown Virginia. narrator again. Exactly. And it even talked about and mentioned Saratoga, New York, 
and those places but it it brings about how the he meets this then the unknown you know the unreliable narrator mm-hmm. meets a man who he couldn't fathom him because he is just you know he just doesn't look like what a man's supposed to look like yeah he looks gaunt he looks you know he he doesn't look horrible mm-hmm. but he doesn't look good and yeah. then he comes to find out that this man was under a doctor's I'm using air quotes again. I know about no one can see it, but <laughs> he was under a doctor's uh, advice. Right. And this doctor happened to be a fan or convert, as they say, mm-hmm. to mesmerism or yeah. animal magnetism at the time. And mm-hmm. so had been treating this man uh, for that. Well, okay. turns out that the only thing that came of it because he could not completely convinced his you know his patient that this was what it was supposed to be so with a little help of morphine and with a little help of you know money uh this guy pretty much he tried everything but it didn't cure him but it didn't didn't kill him either because that's kind of like to me, that's the idea of the story. The tale of the Ragged Mountain is like, he's not cured, but he ain't killed either. So, yeah. But it, it very much goes into the fantastical about the guy who kind of finds himself in the mountains, kind of reaching his own type of nirvana type mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. And he goes into the state. He He experiences a place and a people that you would, you know, you would think, and I'm going to go back to this story because I'm not a real fan, but I I do understand that some words with a mummy comes into play when you're reading it because it's like, what? You, you, you don't really see that happening. But when the guy actually comes back from this jaunt. Yeah, well, that's why evening, I called it a journey. Yeah, yeah. In the evening and he tells, he's telling his story, it is pretty much... Like if someone was tripping on some medication, mm-hmm. so they don't know whether to believe him that it's true or if he just kind of overdosed on some morphine and was seeing things. Right, right. <laughs> but it was. Yeah. It was all about just the journey of of trying to trying to find something to heal himself, but ended up finding his spirit. I guess is yeah. a good way. And and that kind of goes back to what we said about Poe write, Poe's writing, kind of that balance of the soul and what the soul experiences and what people go through in life and what happens after death. Yeah, that balance of mind and body and soul. Yeah. And, and one thing I want to add about Mesmeric Revelation, I looked it up the the person that kind of hypnotizes the the sit the person who is ill was a mesmer or you know i guess that would be the best term to call him um not necessarily a doctor but he is a you know a, a student of mesmer yes that would be a great way to say it so and i i think in some of the reading that i did by the time he published these these stories between 1844 and 1845, you know, kind of became really interested in mesmerism by 1841. From some of his criticisms and things toward this latter part of 1845, it seemed like that Poe moved away from necessarily thinking that mesmerism was a true science but more of a pseudoscience kind of like phrenology because he he kind of he used it to write the fad of the times which you know things that are popular you're gonna you know write take advantage of and that kind of thing but he kind of at the kind of the end of this time period classifies it with more all of the different isms that were out there meaning uh-huh. that it was beneath a true science you know even though he he wrote these stories about it 
he used it in his critiques. You know, there's a little bit of mention in Eureka, his own science. He, I think toward that time frame, he kind of moved away from this is not a real science. Yeah. And I think it also goes along with at the time, the sciences that were being accepted were a physical. It was yes. all about physical science and the physics. Absolutely. Whereas this like mesmerism and phrenology and everything else was on that precipice of the psychological. Yeah. It was a mental science Absolutely. where in those days and age, mental illness wasn't even close to being identified. No. And I, I was going to say, because like Freud wasn't even born until 1856. And so like, you know, going into the the study of the mind and the brain and how it works and functions and things like that. So, yeah, so th that was very early for even those kinds of studies of the mental that you cannot see having yeah, that proof. And then, yeah. And the thing about it was, is the, the people of that day and age were more accepting of a physiologic Mm -hmm. type of science than they were yeah. of a psychological type of science yeah absolutely you, know, you had like Nietzsche and you had um, Dumas and you had others coming into those those worlds of having existentialism and and you know transcendentalism and all that kind of stuff where that was being more accepted than anything doing with a psychological yeah so it, it just it was just a time. It was, you know, it was a flim flam of pseudoscience in most ways, where in the absence, you know, in the other absences or in the other instances, not absences, in other instances, mm -hmm. it was like a carnival type of acceptance of yeah these quacks. Mm -hmm. I'm using air quotes again. The yes. people were just trying to make or trying to swindle people. They were con the confidence man. This is a time period where the confidence man started coming out. Right. Right. Conning people out of their money and all this by convincing them of things. And so it was, you know, it was a hit and miss, you know, and until I mean, Freud himself wasn't even widely accepted. He thought. My other other scientists, he was even told that he was a little wacky. Well, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're well, all, he, little, he we're all and I'm going to change the quote uh, yeah. from Psycho. We all go a little wacky sometimes. Exactly. We all go a little <laughs> wacky. We go wackadoodle. Absolutely. And basically, mesmerism was superseded by hypnosis mm -hmm. eventually. And that what we know is hypnosis now, the roots are very tied into mesmerism or magnetically charged from mesmerism. Exactly. <laughs> and That's one, a nice tie in there. Yeah. And I tried. And oh. one thing that I did look up, I, did, I didn't have as much time to look this up because I was more interested in the history and Poe, but I know our listeners might enjoy hearing about a little bit about this is when you think about vampires in horror and gothic horror and you think about the hypnotic state that some vampires are written to to give to people and you know some of it's not necessarily in the books but it's more on movies tv shows and things like that right. but it you can kind of link it to mesmer mesmerism, but the one thing I found is that it, there's no real proof that maybe Bram Stoker read about mesmerism or anything like that. Again, I did not have time to dig deep into this. This could be maybe some episode later we talk about this, but... It, it does seem like there are some connections, but it's not something that's like, you know, Bram Stoker or other writers yeah. that wrote about vampires pulled and read all this stuff about mesmerism and said, I'm going to use that. And, you know, with that 
hypnotic trance like state that vampires can lure you in to be able to you know bite your neck and kill you or just drain your blood yeah and at the same time i think along those same kind of lines i think the idea behind vampires mesmerizing Mm -hmm. their prey as a way of getting them to uh, acquiesce to whatever they want them to do to make it easier for them to get their food source basically right yeah i think that's more pushing towards an idea that wasn't in the ideas of the bram stoker age Right. Because yeah. when I think more of the Bram Stoker ages and the ideas of coming out of that, kind of like with Frankenstein and those things, they were very much uh, a part of the day and age. Because, you know, yes. Bram Stoker talking about Dracula and Dracula came from, you know, Vlad the Impaler. Right. That was a true, you know, it, he was a true person and his, his, um, how shall we say, idiosyncrasies. Yes. His idiosyncrasies of bathing in the blood of his enemies. And some people even said that he drank the blood of his enemies before impaling their head outside his, you know, castle. But that's how the whole idea of vampirism came into where we are today, people. But people have created more of a romantic idea of vampirism. And I think that's maybe where mesmerism came into it too, as pushing it more to the romantic side I, rather I, than just the horrible side. Yeah, I think so. And uh, Mitty has conquered or or killed the conqueror worm. You might hear him. So <laughs> he Get just it, brought man. it to me. Sorry to. <laughs> it's all right. He's he has impaled the worm. Yes, he has. <laughs> Yeah, but again, I I, I don't want to say too much uh, just about my own theories about mesmerism, hypnotism, and vampires. It kind of, it ties into this, but I would want to, I want to do more research on that before I speak to it. But I think there's some loose things in there, but I'm, I'm really thinking it's more of the, the Hollywood genre or the Hollywood Mm -hmm. Uh, part of it yeah Yeah. and so and i may be wrong but again i don't want to i don't want to it's kind of like when i was saying that you know the romantic side of it being put into play yes and that idea of you know where the idea of vampirism was more along the lines of someone who was in horror fic right where right and then build upon because I mean now we think about it even Bram Stoker's when they created it from the book and made it into a movie mm-hmm. it's, uh, it had a touch had a touch I'm just gonna say a touch because to me it was you know it was very well put together but there was that touch of a romance yes. and it wasn't more of the Dracula romance it was more of you know the romantical ideas yeah, the go- the gothic romance. Yeah, the gothic romance. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. So, Absolutely. I mean, there, there may be ideas. I'm like you, you know, we could probably look more into it and do some more research. But at the same time, we can just let our own kind of opinions and our own ideas percolate and come up with, you know, this could have happened. This could be this. This could be that without, you know, without asking these people point blank and knowing yeah. exactly what they were doing and how it came to be yeah there's still suppositions so. yeah and it gives everybody something to think about if if you are interested in that i mean poe really didn't have the the vampire lore but mm. it, it was just something to pull in from horror gothic horror so, exactly yeah well, so Judy, it fits really well do you have anything else about mesmerism no. No, I mean, I think I've hypnotized everyone enough with my ideas and mesmerized everyone with the, you know, the idea of Poe and his take. So I think I'm good. I'm I'm good and mesmerized. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I, I think I am too. So on that okay. note, we are, we are Poe po out. As the sleep waker, 
pronounced these latter words in a feeble tone, I observed upon his countenance a singular expression which somewhat alarmed me and induced me to awake him at once. No sooner had I done this than, with a bright smile irradiating all his features, he fell back upon his pillow and expired. I noticed that in less than a minute afterward, his corpse had all the stern rigidity of stone.